Reverence, root, river. When you go on one of these walks that we're doing now, what are you trying to do? There's purely just looking. Um, stop time really a little bit. Where is the edge between myself and the stream? Contemplate and be with the water and be with the sides of the stream and record it. November ditch. Two floating leaves face down hold life and light yellow, waiting for the long sink, the gradual inseeps of water, to become a nest of dulled mould, a soft mush of pond bottom. This stream hardly moves, the lip of land hardly falling, a tea saucer of rain. Already I am gleaming into the spot. I'm Hetta House. I'm a PhD student at Queen Mary. My PhD is in both English and history, looking at imagery of water in devotional texts for women in the 14th and 15th centuries. They're written for religious women, usually religious women in a vocation, so more noble-born women rather than the laity. You'd usually have to have a bit of money to be a recluse or go into a convent. And in particular, anchoresses, so women of means who've decided to kind of renounce the world, uh, devote their lives to prayer. We don't know what will happen every time, even though they're very simple places. We think we're going to recognise them, but of course, every time we go back, if we go back to a place, they are completely different. Whatever's happened in the weather or the time of year or what's been happening with the animals. It's one of those things where when you go into something small and you find whole worlds. And it's especially to do with the water, with the stream. Yes, it's all been to do with the streams, but of course you get to know the land around them and the wildlife and the flowers. But yes, it's about water. God has made plenteous waters in earth for our service and for our bodily ease because of the tender love he has for us. But yet he likes it all the better if we take fully his blessed blood to wash us of sin. For there is no liquor that is made that he likes so well to give us for it is plenteous and of our kind. So does this stream have a name, Claire? For us, does this one has a name? Yeah, this one's Clippenham Stream. Mm. A lot of them don't have a name, but we just call it the name that suits it or comes to mind, you know. The one's a sheep pool. We've got November Ditch, Dive Through Stream. And when you get to your stream, what do you do? Generally, we kind of split up a bit and go quiet. 
means all kinds of different things at once. It's one of the things that interests me about it. It can mean with tears, it can mean a connection with God, a more spiritual connection. It can mean a kind of barrier between woman and God or kind of a means of access. So a lot of rivers in these texts represent access to God. If you can cross it, which you can't always, it can mean baptism, it can mean doctrinal teaching, it can mean the Eucharist because of the relationship between water and wine. It can mean something as simple as washing. So images of washing are used to help anchoresses imagine how to wash their own souls. And are you following the stream or do you just come to the stream? Would you, would you ever kind of travel up the stream or is that not really what it's about? It doesn't seem to be. I still have a, a yearning to follow the stream, but we never do it, do we really? We, do, we seem to just visit the same bit and that takes up our time. Just look again where we've looked before and we'll, we'll sit and write, take photographs, film. So Charlotte, what are you thinking now? What am I thinking? Well, thinking about where the light is and, and wanting to photograph the water because it's, it's, it always looks different in photographs, actually. It's, I'm quite, I like the way it comes, it changes it. And the light and the colour is always, always different. We never get photos that are the same. Then I would just probably sit and think. It, it takes me back to being a child and just being out and just losing sense of time and and just messing around really and and, that, and that's really powerful for me. Do you ever want to get in it? Yeah, we have got in it. <laughs> it's very tempting, isn't it? This is the one place that we have. Pond hang. Somehow I have got myself leaning over a branch, legs hitched wide, on a mossed log liable to break. I feel spread, almost pinned, but happily so. The branches under my armpits, willow warm, lichen loved. And though my feet will possibly flounder and I am tipped right forward, I am again held, my eyes trembling with pond to see how light falls on leaves through water and how any shift is a new horizon. Mutability, transformation are important because there is a strong association of women and changeability and water and changeability. And of course, one of the fundamental Christian doctrines is baptism. And so the transformation of water into something more, into something more spiritual. All people were made up of four different humours, yellow bile, black bile, phlegm and blood. And women were specifically associated with phlegm and phlegm's counterpart element was water. All the different biles had their counterpart element. And women were associated with an excess of moisture because of menstruation, which troubled people an awful lot in the Middle Ages, particularly men. And although obviously menstrual is blood, blood and water were very connected in the medieval mind. It was believed that all fluids were variants of blood. So water is very diluted blood and, and they become kind of intermingled in the medieval imagination. Charlotte and I met years ago, but, but hadn't seen each other for a long time. And there was an incredible couple in Hastings, Angie Biltcliffe and Len Shelley, both artists. They were both dying at the same time of different cancers. And 
Len died first, we were at his funeral and everybody was saying what they wanted to say and this man got up who didn't know anybody else there and said, I knew Len when I was a boy. We haven't stayed in touch much, but once a year we would meet up and either travel from the mouth of a river to the source or from the source of a river to the mouth for one day. And we did that once a year for 15, 20 years. And he's probably my best friend. That was the, the impetus. There are other ones, like Charlotte, your other question very much is you wanted to find the source of your water. My drinking water, yes. And where would I go to get water? You know, where can I drink water? Can I drink water from streams? And kind of knowing that I probably shouldn't. I did drink it. I did drink it one week. It just looked so drinkable. And the next week we found a dead sheep <laughs> very a bit further up the stream. And being the age we are, I think there's very much a thing about menopausal feeling or women in their 50s and on of a real drawing into nature, drawing into nature. Because of this connection, women are very strongly associated in the minds of men, but also their own minds with this element of water, both positively and negatively. Because there were negative connotations of menstruation, women had kind of an uneasy sense of themselves as, as somehow perhaps a little bit incomplete, a little bit leaking, not, not quite right. And because of this relationship, you can see in the practices of religious women various different responses to this. And one of the responses is an embracing of this relationship between women and water rather than a renouncing of it. So two women who really use their kind of water women relationship to their own advantage are Julian of Norwich and Marjorie Kemp. I don't know if we I think we might be right about sheep's returning to water to die. <laughs> God, that's expected to see one here. It's quite shocking actually, I feel like. We have a pool that we go to regularly and then there's, we know that there's sheep around there and we found lots of bones and, and a dead sheep that we watched kind of disperse. But this is... It's like it's cool. melting. I know. It really looks like that, doesn't it? And Marjorie Kemp is from Kings Lynn. She was born around 1373 and died 1438. And one of the most interesting things about her text is the fact that she cries so often. This is something that people always talk about with Marjorie. She had this gift of tears, they called it, in the Middle Ages. Um, she wakes up one morning and hears a beautiful melodious sound from heaven and she starts to cry because it's so beautiful and then every time she ever hears a melody again she cries and this starts off a sort of crying outburst that happens throughout her life and provokes negative reactions from other people. And this is her sort of way of marking herself out but also identify herself with the suffering Christ. It takes a long time for the full dispersal to watch a sheep become the flesh to go the fur to kind of mat and then the bones to be seen and the tendons 
and then the gradual kind of letting go of all the bones. And, you know, certain parts disappear first and you find them further down the stream. And some stay there for a very long time, getting whiter and whiter. Um, and we have seen this many, many times over a year. At first we were a bit shocked like this. And then we came to find it a really accepting way to think of dispersal of bodies and a natural going back to the earth. So death was talked about a lot and, and acceptance of death, really. In Julian of Norwich's books, Julian of Norwich was an anchoress. There are a lot of very watery images of this idea that water and blood are kind of flowing from the body of Christ and forging a connection between her as the viewer and him because she sort of sees him there with, with the blood flowing and the water flowing from his side and it connects them. And it's almost as if she sees in Christ something of herself, something of her kind, another body that's not quite intact, another body that's got an excess of moisture, of blood and water. A threshold. My body between worlds returned to my original state. I am water. And this is a phenomenon we see in many other religious texts, an excess of water or fluid imagery in texts written by women, kind of embracing the watery side of themselves to forge a deeper connection with God. Following a stream, everything is a witness to a world we cannot see until we touch it, hold it, listen, vision it. Where is the edge between myself and the stream? 